Well, good morning, Cross Point. That always gets me, that little extra part. Hey, first off, um, I was on vacation last week, which is a true luxury for a pastor to take a Sunday off, and Pastor Micah just cranked one out there. So where's Micah? Hey, thanks, Micah. Good word. We're grateful for you. We went to Disney World. I've got twins that are seven and a five-year-old little girl. I was crazy. We were crazy. We went six days at Disney World and we were all bright-eyed and googly. And by the end of it, my kids were asking to go on another ride and I'm like, take me home. (laughs) Take me home. But it was fun. And work will be vacation this week, so we'll enjoy that. Um, We have the Word of God here today, and the Word of God in its full power is before us in Daniel chapter 5. If you're new to Crosspoint today, I want to point out to you that uh, here at Crosspoint we study books of the Bibles typically, and so we are studying the book of Daniel and we're going verse by verse through every verse and chapter of this book. And if you've been with and, and read Daniel, you would realize that there's some passages that are really enjoyable, that are really fun, that are really a great opportunity uh, to see God's plan in redeeming humanity. And this is one of those passages where you do see God's plan in redeeming passages, but it's a very sobering uh, redeeming passages did I just say that in redeeming humanity but uh, it's a very sobering sobering passage because we see plain and simple the gut the judgment of God upon sin plain and simple You want to hear the theme of Daniel chapter 5? You want to get an idea of what this message is all about? You you can have your smiles right now. It is the judgment of God upon sin. But as we peer into this passage, we'll see that there's a great hope that comes through the words of Daniel, through the judgment of God, and through the proclamation of God's Son, Jesus Christ. Christ. Belshazzar was secure in the world, but sinful before God. And he didn't understand that. He didn't realize it. He was secure in the world, but he was sinful before God, and he had no conscious awareness of that reality. There's an old story from 1969, uh, a story of these people who were in an apartment complex hunkered down awaiting out Hurricane Camille. Hurricane Camille was a, 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 a beast of a storm off the coast of the Gulf and the sheriff went by the coastline highways telling the people that they needed to evacuate because there is a big storm coming their way. And while this storm was coming their way, they were boarding up, shuttering up, and the building that they were in was an old civil bunker. It was a a, a civil defense bunker that had turned into an apartment complex. And so the owner, the landlord of the building, convinced the residents that everything was okay. This building could withstand the storm. Now, there's a myth that was added to the story that really isn't true, but it sounds pretty good. So I'm going to go ahead and add it and tell you it's not true so I can be true to the true, but 
have fun with it. Um, there is a myth added to the story that the people, they not only boarded up, but they loaded up on alcohol, they loaded up on a dance, and they had a good time that night, and all the while, everything around them began to crumble. That was actually true. Everything around them began to crumble. In spite of the warning, they enjoyed what time they had while their life wasted away. And there's the warning that stands. If we will not see what God wants us to see, if we will not know what God wants us to know, our fate is as good as dead. Then we do not heed the judgment of God upon our life. Like Belshazzar, we feel secure in the world, but we don't realize that we're sinful before God. That the security in this world is not our greatest problem. But the greatest problem that we have is a sin problem against the holy and righteous God. So Belshazzar, you see here, is with his lords and his ladies. He is up on the stage, on the platform. He is the lead table that is participating in what is a drunken orgy in this time, a, 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 a celebration of the gods. Because the gods have protected them, the gods have secured them, the gods have given them what they want, and they will surely deliver them. And in this time period, there's some other things that we do not know from the words of Daniel, but we do know from history is that the Medo Persian army is just outside of the walls of Babylon. And they're awaiting to attack. They're trying to get in. They may have been there for months. The the Babylonians on the inside are believing they can wait it out. Belshazzar believes that we could wait this out. There's a river, the Euphrates River, which runs right down the middle of the city, right through these tall walls, and they believe that everything's going to be okay. And Belshazzar, at this point, is actually the second in command. There's another who is his co-ruler, who is Nabondius, who is out for battle and captured. But Belshazzar has the safety and security of the walls of Babylon. And everything's going to be all right. And so, not only that, not only is everything going to be okay right now, but the kingdom of Babylon is going to continue. His rule will continue. And so, why not throw a party? Why not have a celebration? Even with the Medo Persian army chopping at the bit, awaiting to get in. Why not celebrate victory early? And so with a thousand of his lords and his wives and his concubines to boot, he is throwing the party of a lifetime. This is the envy of all of Babylon. Everybody's throwing, going up with their stretch limousines. Kanye's there. You've got your bling on. Everything is good at this moment. Everybody wants to be at this party at this moment. And... Belshazzar holds up a glass of wine and he takes a sip and he says, you know what would make this wine taste better? If it was, if I was in one of those vessels that came from the God of Israel, that would make this wine taste better. 
My father conquered Israel. My father brought the captives along. My father brought these vessels over and put them into the temple of our gods. And I can drink from those vessels realizing that our gods are going to do it again. And so he calls his servants and he says, go fetch the vessels from the temples. And they bring them around and they give them to every lord and lady in the house. And they fill it with wine and they lift up the glass. And when Belshazzar thinks the whole world is at his fingertips, another finger appears and writes upon the plaster wall. And the text says that Belshazzar's color of his face changed. It went from a drunk red to a ghost pale white. He was freaking out. His knees were knocking. One translation says he may have even lost control of his bowels. He was freaked out. This was a moment where the king realized that there was something bigger than him. But he didn't know what it was. He didn't know what was there. It was the writing on the wall that he could not understand. You know that phrase, the writing on the wall? Everybody heard that phrase before? Like you have a bad job and you know things are going south and you say to yourself, I should have saw the writing on the wall. Or maybe you're in some relationship trouble and it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse and you say to yourself, oh my goodness, I should have seen the writing on the wall. He's such a scumbag, gee whiz. But you you think of these things, but that phrase actually comes from this passage. Look it up, Wikipedia tells us the truth. (laughs) It actually does. An idiomatic expression that that suggests a a potent doom or misfortune based upon the story of Belshazzar's feast in the book of Daniel. Daniel was unaware of the doom that comes just around the corner. And as this hand appeared, the king was alarmed, and he did what his dad did. He said, okay, all right, I can't figure this out. I do not know the answer. And so he called the wise men. He called the sages. He called the magicians. He called the enchanters. He called the the soothsayers and the charmers and all that were in his kingdom, his spiritual advisory board, and he brought them together, and he says, tell me what this says and tell me what it means. That's, that's a it's really important step to understanding communication, in particular communication that comes from God. When we read our Bibles, we should be asking the same questions. Tell me what it says and tell me what it means. It's really important to understand. Those are the first two steps of what we call inductive Bible study. What does it say? What does it mean? But Belshazzar didn't have any intention of applying the third step, which says, how does this apply to me because God had been speaking to him and he didn't realize it he asked that question too late and he brought in all his enchanters and he had them do their charms and magic tricks and all those things and nobody could give him an answer that would suffice nobody could read God's word or interpret it no one knew what it meant and this meant in this moment for Belshazzar that his kingdom was hanging in the balance 
Because these things don't happen regularly. There are people, the the Babylonians were a people that rested upon these messages and these messages being interpreted so that they could know their future, so that they could have a sure footing for tomorrow. Belshazzar was not getting the answers he wanted in the world around him. And so he was afraid. I want to point out to you that this is often not just what Belshazzar does or the Babylonians do, but this is what we do. We don't go to God for the answers first. We look somewhere else. We look to the false sense of securities of our own lives, our bank accounts. We look to the false sense of security of these walls and defenses that we have built that are so high that we think can save us. And we look to them to provide solutions that they cannot. Author and pastor Brian Chappelle says, beware. Because there is no human wall so high, no human fortress so secure, no activity so hidden that it can protect sin from the wrath of God. There is a problem that Belshazzar has, and the problem is his sin. The problem isn't the crumbling of his kingdom. The problem isn't the crumbling of Babylon. Sure, that's a problem for everybody else. But Belshazzar and God are not reconciled. There is not, there's a problem there that Belshazzar hasn't yet realized. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. You know, most of our culture today agrees that what you sow, you will reap, but they call it karma. The Bible calls it God's judgment. There are consequences for our actions. And Paul says here, God will not be mocked. And that's exactly what Belshazzar does. There's two problems here. There's idolatry. He's worshiping false gods. And the other problem is blasphemy. He is mocking the holy and righteous and true God. Idolatry and blasphemy are both punishable by death. They're both offenses that God's judgment will one day bear. And Belshazzar doesn't realize That his sins are against the holy God. He doesn't know which God his sins are against because there's all these gods that he has been praising and praying to and asking their help and support and he's been deceived that he hasn't realized the one true God has been prodding him and he hasn't listened. And that's where the queen mother, this translation in the ESV says the queen But in all likelihood, this was his mother. She was formerly one of his dad's wives, Nebuchadnezzar's wives. And she says, you know what, son, come here. Why is your face so white? Why? No, your daddy had somebody. He knows somebody. He knew somebody that could help him. And so all we need to do is we need to call Daniel. The spirit of the gods are in him. He's, he's marvelous. He's, he's got solutions to problems like this. Let's bring Daniel down for a visit and everything's going to be okay. Okay, sweetie? And so she brings, they bring Daniel down. And Daniel at this point is in his 80s. 
We saw that Daniel was likely around 13 or 14 when he was brought from Judah into Babylon as an exile. We've seen the years of him being the chief of staff of Nebuchadnezzar wear on him. The, the tensions of being faithful to God in a turbulent, hostile world, world were likely very difficult. But Daniel wrinkled face at this point. Voice maybe even shaking a little bit. But steadfast for the Lord. I, I, want, I want us to understand that. Like so many times we think that, that there are people that, that are older that don't have the value in this world today. We, we're such a culture that idolizes youth that we neglect some of the richest wisdom to be found. And here comes Daniel, an 80-year-old man and the wisest man in Babylon. And he has the answers. He knows because he knows the Lord. And Belshazzar earlier made a promise. If anybody can tell me this, what this says and what this means, I'm going to put a purple clown robe on them and I'm going to fill their pockets with money. And this is what Daniel wasn't interested in. Daniel couldn't be bought. There is no interest in power. There is no interest in money. There is no interest in wealth. Daniel is a man that has been resolved from a young man to an old man. And he will not change his ways now. And he says, you can keep your wealth. You can keep your rewards. But I will tell you what this says. And I will tell you what it means. Because Daniel knew that he was a servant of God. He was a prophet of God. His job was to speak the truth of God regardless of the cost. And as he's before Belshazzar, he gives him a history lesson. He tells them of his father, Nebuchadnezzar, who was a great and powerful king. And that all his power and might in all the things that he did, this man, Nebuchadnezzar, had the power to take life and give life. He had the power at his fingertips, and Nebuchadnezzar thought that that power was an eight. He thought that that power was in and of himself. And Daniel reminded him time and again that he should humble himself before the Lord, or the Lord will humble him for him. And then that's what took place. Nebuchadnezzar thought himself to be the most powerful. And God showed him who was most powerful by, hung, by humbling him to the point of insanity to where Nebuchadnezzar acted as a beast in the field eating grass alongside the ox. But God later restored Nebuchadnezzar because Nebuchadnezzar was humbled. And Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged the most high God who rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over it whom he will. History lessons are really important. History helps determine our future. History defines even our present. If we're unwilling to look into history, we see that there are problems that arise today because there's things that we don't know right? 
Much of the issue within racial reconciliation today here in the United States, I believe, is because there's history that we don't know and understand and properly apply that we should seek out. We should seek to understand. We should seek to find solutions for because in that history lies the treasure of the resolve that can happen today. History for Belshazzar was the history of him understanding what God wanted him to know. And Daniel tells him, and you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all this. You know, Belshazzar knew. He knew. He knew all of what happened to his father. He knew of the the dream that his father had of this statue that was in four different parts and how the head of gold would come under the the iron and uh, come under the bronze and come under the silver and that there would be kingdoms that would overtake this head of gold. He knew that He knew of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how in their resolve not to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's idol, they remained faithful and their God protected them. He knew these stories. Daniel himself may have told him even these stories in the king's court. And Belshazzar rejected that truth. He knew it. Spirituality False spirituality is not enough. You know, much of the problem with modern day Christianity is that most of us know enough of God's word just to be dangerous, but not to revere him. Can, Can I say that again? Like, we know just enough of God's word to be dangerous, but not to revere him. That's scary. That's scary. Because God's word is God's word. And it's holy. And it's not to be misused or mistreated. But yet that's what we do. And this is why knowing God's word is so important. And knowing God's word, not just to puff our heads up with knowledge, but to fill our souls with his love. Knowledge wasn't enough for Belshazzar. It wasn't enough that he just knew of these stories. He knew them in his head, but they were disconnected from his heart. And the truth was not in him. And so he didn't practically apply it. He lived contrary to the truth of God's word. And Daniel says in verse 23, But you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven, and the vessels of his house have been brought in before you, and your lords, your wives, and your concubines have drunk from them. Now, this isn't just Belshazzar's deal. This is everybody there implicated together. They're all doing this. They're all walking in knowing sinfulness. And he says, And you have praised the gods of silver and gold and bronze and iron and wood and stone, which you not see or hear or know. They can't help you. You're praising these false gods who cannot serve you, who cannot help you. They don't. But the God in whose hand is your breath and whose are all your ways you have not honored. Listen, friends. It's easy for us to look at Belshazzar and the dishonoring 
of the vessels of God, the dishonoring of God himself, and say, man, how horrible did this guy have it? The Apostle Paul says to the church in Corinth, he says, you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. So glorify God with your bodies. How many times do we give ourselves over to the things of this world that dishonor God and we dishonor the vessels that God has created us to be, people that worship him with all our heart and we give ourselves to the lesser idols of money, of sex, of of the good things that can become God things, worshiping even our children. There's so much temptation in this world that we give into we don't acknowledge that which matters most. We are people that are created for worship. We're called to know God and to love God and to cherish God and to preach the truth of God in all of our lives. But yet we live for all the little things that seem to crowd out our world and we think that life is all about me. And that's the way Belshazzar lived. But at this moment, he realized that God was judging him and he was without excuse. Romans 1.18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. You know, Belshazzar had no place to say, I I, I didn't know, I didn't know. And nor do we, because God has revealed it to us. And it is our sinfulness that suppresses the truth because we want to hold on to our idols so tightly and push God away because these things are worth more than him. And we give ourselves to the lesser things And we don't realize that while we feel secure in the world, we are sinners before God. And that problem is going to be dealt with. And this is what is taking place here. The sin problem of Belshazzar is being dealt with by God. And the writing on the wall says, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parson. Which means, mene means numbered. Your days are numbered. Each and every one of us, our days are numbered. Pastor Micah said last week, our life is like the vapor's breath. Here today, gone tomorrow. Our days are numbered. We are all coming under the judgment of God. He says, tekel, you are being weighed in the balances. The holiness of God has so offset the scales that your sin has no place before him. The holiness of God far outweighs your sinfulness. And because God is holy and just, he is righteous in judging you and sending you to hell. You are being weighed in the balances and found wanting. Parson, your kingdom is divided. Divided. And the Medo Persians are going to take control. Belshazzar didn't realize that it would happen that very night. 
the Medo-Persian army outside of the walls of Babylon diverted the water of the Euphrates River. They waded in under the walls. And that night they went straight to the middle of the city, pulled Belshazzar out of his bed, and they executed him. Numbered, weighed, divided under the judgment of God. This is a message that we have to heed. This is a message that we, as God's church, have to heed. Because we live our lives with blinders on, thinking that what we don't know won't hurt us. But the problem is is that you do know. God showed it to you. There are areas in your life where it's not about pointing fingers today. It's about acknowledging like there are things that in my life I do because my heart is far from God that desecrates the reality that God has given me a life to worship Him. And the judgment of God comes to bear. But the message of Daniel doesn't end there. The message of Daniel is one that says you can be humbled. You in your pride can be humbled. Just as Nebuchadnezzar, the mighty and powerful king, realized that his power came from the Most High God, you can be humbled. Now, you can't erase what's happened in the past and you can't erase the sins that are going to happen in the future. But God can. And God has. Because your sins can be no more as far as the east is from the west. And it's through the cross of Christ. Brian Chappelle says, the cross stands both as God's ultimate warning of the consequences of sin and the greatest expression of his love for sinners. If God did not love, he would not so graciously warn. Listen, today, today is the message of God's judgment. But for those who are in Christ, it's a message of God's love. It's a message that God has brought peace for those who are far from him. That God is bringing you near. That God is drawing you to repentance. This is the message of the cross. That even though your heart might be hard, it is the cross that softens it. Because the cross tells us that there's nothing that we could do even if we made a U-turn today to make things right with God. That our sin sin still stands without Christ. But with Christ, our sins were put upon him and he was punished in our place. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake he made him who knew no sin so that for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For our sake, God made his son. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be the sin bearer, to be the one who would be executed for us, to pay the penalty that we deserve to pay. And the writing on the wall 
is the writing that's graven on his hands and his heart. The writing on the wall which represents the judgment of God is now your name secured in the name above all names, the most high and glorious King Jesus. Do you believe this to be true? I want to invite you into that. I want to invite you into realizing that you are not the authority of your life, but you are under the authority of God. And being under the authority of God means that you are under the authority of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ bought your life with his blood. This is grace. We don't deserve it, but we get it. It is God's grace, undeserved, afresh anew, each and every day. You might be like Belshazzar here today, and the invitation of God stands with the cross of Christ saying, Come. Come. This is grace. Martin Lloyd Jones says, Grace is the beginning. And grace is the end. So that when you and I come to lie upon our deathbeds, the one thing that should comfort and help and strengthen us there is the thing that helped us in the beginning. Not that we have been, not what we have done, but the grace of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. The Christian life starts with grace. It must continue with grace. It ends with grace. Oh, grace, wondrous grace. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Can we see God's grace today in our deepest moment of sin so that God's grace would abound today as the deepest moment of God's love touches us right where we're at? Father, I pray that right now you would help us understand, God, the weight of our sins and how we are in the balance. But Father God, the only thing that sets that balance right is you. You. God, you have done what we could not do. You lived the perfect, sinless life You died my death to give me your life so that I might live eternally with you. And this truth, God, is one that I pray reaches the deep moments of our lives when we struggle on Monday and Tuesday. And by Wednesday, we're ready to give up. When the whole world seems to be crumbling around us and God, when we're seeking to live for you but the whole world is in opposition, God, may we know that it's grace that has got us this far and it's grace that will cause us to withstand because God, we're free. Your judgment, Lord, is good and your grace, oh God, is good and we thank you, Lord, that you allow us to see that Jesus took our judgment and he's given us God's grace. For God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that in him we might become the righteousness 
of God. And the church says, amen. We take communion this morning remembering the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ. In the cup here is the representation of Jesus' blood spilled for you for the forgiveness of your sins. In the basket is the bread representing the broken body which has been broken for you that came, came under God's judgment for you. When we take the bread and we dip it in the cup and receive the Lord's Supper, we were acknowledging that the Lord has done it, that He is the Most High God, that He is the King of kings and He is the Lord of lords and there is none but Him. And we acknowledge that we are His servants and that we are to be used as vessels of His mercy here in a world of idolatry so that hope can be brought to those who are far from Him. Take communion realizing what Jesus Christ has done for you.